Well, good morning to you. It's good to see you here today. It really is. I used to tell our congregation all the time, it is so good to see you because you don't know who will be here next week. So welcome to the house of God. I'm Jonathan Morgan. I have a son that hangs around this place and a daughter-in-law, some grandchildren, and I'm delighted to be with you. We're speaking on the subject of heroes of the faith. What is a hero? Well, I suppose there's many definitions, but uh, usually it's a normal person, maybe with some limitations, maybe with some special gifts, uh, but they use that to bless other people. Now, in the television genre, we would see uh, Superman and Captain Marvel and some of those guys, but uh, real life heroes are the fireman who runs into a collapsing building, and as it's falling all around him, he goes in there to rescue a, a child or a maybe an adult, or a soldier, though he's wounded himself. He runs right into the line of fire and drags his buddy to safety. Real heroes, ordinary people. Well, a brief review of last week. Faith is not blind. It's not a blind shot in the dark. It's not positive thinking or arrogant presumption or even gullibility. Faith is confidence in God, a firm conviction that what God says is true and what he promises he's going to do. Using last week's lessons on definition, we discover faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, the convictions of things not seen. Faith is not only emphasizes a believing of the mind, but it's also the activity of faith at working at being faithful. They go hand in hand. And faith is not limited to the things present, but to operating even though there are things that are invisible, perhaps unknowable at the moment. Faith is also necessary to take God at his word regarding things past and things unobservable, such as creation. Nobody was around to see it. If you are, you're extremely senior citizen, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But people have spent trillions of dollars propagating the theory of evolution when God says, he spoke it and it came into being. Now, if we look at start at verse six today, we're going to look at three through seven, but start at verse six as a little review. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So it's by faith that we come to God. We must acknowledge that he's the source of everything. And there is, of course, he is all we need. We come with open hands and open hearts. God's not hiding himself from us. He's made himself known through his word and through his son. Faith is just the vehicle in which carries us to him. Secondly, we must believe that he is. There's no need for us to see him or touch him with our hands. He does not have to prove himself to us or ask us to come to him. Simply ask us to come to him with an openness to receive. And thirdly, we must trust him to be faithful to his word. He promises rewards to those who seek him, those who believe in him, and those who come to him in faith. And because of his nature and his character, uh, we find that he's trustworthy, so we can depend on his generosity and his kindness and his integrity to be able to trust him completely. When Jesus went to the cross, he did so without asking others to follow him or to understand what he was doing. He was not concerned whether he was safe from other people's ridicule or scorn. He simply walked by faith, believing God. 
believing that God would be true to his word. Verse 2 assures us this, this kind of faith gains approval from God. So if you're in your dick at the text, you, see, you can see the, the very clearly there as it's stated. Now, verses 4 through 7, we're given three people of faith. We see a shepherd, we see a preacher, and a builder, three common folks. First of all, let's look at Abel today. He's in the very first family on earth. He's a shepherd. Cain's his older brother. He's a farmer. And though it's not mentioned in the text and it's implied that God had made known the requirements for the kind of offering that he, was, he expected in authentic worship and, he, and the offering of sacrificial blood, probably talked to him by his parents. As we know that God killed the first animal and provided an atonement, a covering for their sin, and then gave him the skins of the animal to cover themselves. Well, if you're following along in an outline there, if it's up there, A says he gave God what he asked for. Abel did well. He obeyed by offering an animal sacrifice as God demanded. Now, Cain chose a different method. He had a way of, uh, uh, even though he was a, a farmer, it's as if he was saying that, you know, by my good works, by my character alone, I ought to be able to offer offering that's, that's good enough for God. And besides, he probably rationalized, my gift is far more beautiful than that dead, bloody animal anyway. And I've worked hard for what I've done, and it's been real sweat and tears, and I, I believe this will be good enough. The end result is God accepted Cain's, God accepted Abel's offering, he rejected Cain's. And even when God came to Cain and told him, listen, sin is crouching at the door ready to pounce upon you, beware, he ignored God's warning, gentle pleading, he would rather kill than repent. It seems like the, one of the hardest things to do is to repent. Is it not? You know you need to go to someone and you need to talk to that person. You need to say, you know, yesterday when I said such and such, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Why is that so hard? Because pride raises its ugly head and we don't want to have to admit that somehow we were wrong. And somehow along the way, it was more their fault than mine anyway. Amen? I mean, they were 80% wrong and I was only 20. But we need to get the 20% right, amen? Amen. Abel gave God what he asked for. It's a reflection, though, of man's fallen nature to try to come to God on his own terms. Offering God things he didn't ask for, such as good works. Lord, I promise I'll try to attend at least three services a week. Uh, I'll give blood at the Houchins Blood Bank. I'll even help out in the pro-life cause. I'll, uh, hey, I'll throw some money in, in, in Teen Challenge. Uh, I'll, you know, somehow we think that uh, our good works will be enough for God. That ought to satisfy him. Then we have some man-made rituals, wearing a cross around their neck. Or uh, having a card of something, a picture, praying hands uh, and a card and putting it in your wallet. I was uh, in my office one day and it was pouring down raining. <laughs> in Bakersfield, that's unusual. But I could hear outside there was some noise. And I quickly figured out that it's pouring rain. Somebody was out there to get some shelter. So while they were under this canopy there, um, I went out and I greeted him and invited him in and we dried him off because he was just soaked to the bone. And um, 
in the process, I ask him this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And he goes, yes. And I said, that's wonderful. How did that happen? He reached into his wallet and he pulled out this card. And he goes, my mother was a faithful, genuine believer. She said, and I believe in her. And I keep this card always with me. And he put it back in his pocket. A little ritual he had. When he needed help, he could reach in there and pull out that card. And somehow that card was going to do something for him. Man not only tries good works, but man made rituals. We have sincere intentions to do something. Lord, I'm just going to try to do better. I'm going to try to do, I'm not going to do that again. How many of you have ever said, I'm not going to do that again, only to do it before the day is over? <laughs> Boy, I found that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is not only weak, it's pathetic. You found that to be true? God asked for simple trust and obedience. Doing what he says, even if we don't understand why. Is it possible today to do the same thing? Lord, I'll do this and this for you, and, but I'm going to do it my way. I'll come to you with a beautiful way to express my devotion. Just don't be so rigid, you know. Uh, don't allow a little bit of flexibility. And we sometimes resist and we offer a substitute plan to God. That's what Cain did. Did he have good intentions? I'm sure he did. But they were not what God asked for. There was a heartthrob that year, lived a few years ago. Maybe he's still alive, I don't know. But he sang this song, and part of the song goes like this. I lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Some of you recognize Frank Sinatra's song. We sing an old hymn that says, have, it thy, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Only many times we got that little mixed up. We say, I'll have my own way, Lord. I'll be the potter, you be the clay. I'll mold you and make you after my will while you're waiting, yielding and still. Let's do it my way. Abel was commended because he did it God's way. The second thing about Abel we see, he not only gave what was, what was asked of him, but he did so with a good attitude. He brought his very best from the very first. Do you know that God delights in those who give with a cheerful heart? Those who give. But listen to what it says in the Bible. Honor the Lord with the first of all your produce. And then 1 Corinthians 9, 7 says, For God loves a cheerful giver. How many of you find that if you don't give at the beginning of the month, when it gets to the end of the month, there's very little money left? You're going to give over the leftovers if you got anything at all? If you haven't already borrowed something from somebody else to pay something else? God asks us to give the first from the first fruits so that we'll trust him all the rest of the way. It's amazing how God honors that. But God loves a cheerful giver. Abel had a joyous heart. He responded well to God's continual goodness. Because Abel believed in God's goodness, he gladly gave what God asked. There's belief and there's works in action. 
I like the way one author wrote. He said, faith and righteous works are like the wings of a bird. There's no life and there's no flight with a single wing. So it is with works and faith. But in concert together, they can soar through the heavens. I like that. Abel's faith produced authentic worship, which in turn produced true righteousness, and that in time also gave an eternal witness. Real worship expresses itself through faith, and righteousness results from it. Listen to what the text says. Through his faith, he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And, though his, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Fourth verse, the end of the verse. He still speaks. What? His testimony still speaks. Now, here's a little side note. I don't want to chase a rabbit too far, but listen. Doing the right thing will not always be appreciated. Amen? But doing the right thing makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. You suppose Nathan wanted to go to tell the king, King David, you committed adultery with that man's wife and then you murdered him. Now, he was a little kinder in his, <laughs> in his story, but that's basically what he told him. You think he wanted to go do that? But when it was over, I bet he was sure glad he did. Sometimes you're not going to be appreciated for doing what's right. Like Cain and Abel, your witness is on display. So are you giving your best or offering a substitute? Or just giving the leftovers of your time, talents, and resources. Second man we look at is Enoch. He lived 365 years, but his tenure was brief compared to his father and son. He was so impressive that God took him home. He graduated. Just walked right on up to heaven. You know, sometimes we, we fear death, but Why? The Bible says that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither is it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. You can't even comprehend, and I can't comprehend, what's the wonderful things God has in store for us. And we're fearful about death. Mm. That's why so many saints, as the older they get, they say, I'm ready. Come take me home. Take me home. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:5, he was not, for God took him so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Goes along with Genesis 5:24, by the way. You think we live in perilous times today? We do live in some tough times. But listen to his times. He lived right before the great flood in a terrible, evil world that was destroyed precisely because of its depravity. The entire world was destroyed because of their depravity. Yet he has served as a prophet for over three centuries. He preached the unwelcome message of the coming judgment. Jude 1, 14 and 15 says, Enoch prophesied, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they might have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In other words, this, as we look at it today, without Christ, that person without him will give an account for every word, thought, motive, and action. I'm glad I've been forgiven. If I had to face that, 
(laughs) I would be condemned. Thank God Jesus took my place. The Bible says, and so they will be without excuse when they stand before him. Wow. We live in this hostile, negative world. We're engulfed in cynicism, and most people don't want to live differently. They want to keep the status quo. But listen to me. Live to please God. Walk and obey him. Be a hero. Be a hero of the faith. Two reasons he was taken by God. Number one, by faith he was taken, verse 5a, Faith, this was just a byproduct of working, walking with God. And secondly, because he pleased God. Uh, 5b, as you look at the text, it says, now therefore he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God before he was taken. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, we have this ambition, whether to be alive or to be absent from the body, but to be pleasing to him pleasing to the Lord. Paul didn't say, I try to keep all these commandments. I try to do all that. that, that. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Lord, today, help me to be pleasing unto you. Christians are going to give an account at the great judgment seats, the verse right after that verse that I just quoted. And all of our deeds are going to be put out there. And those things that stand to testify, those things done for the right reason and motive, bring glory to him and not ourselves. Those will remain and we will be rewarded for it. There's going to be a great reward day. I'm looking forward to it. You ought to be looking forward to it. God's going to acknowledge all that you've done. But he didn't miss anything. Shoot, I can't remember some I can't remember somebody's name I met yesterday. Sometimes I can't remember their name when I walk away from them. Are you there at that stage yet? God doesn't forget anything. Praise God that He's got a good accounting system. He knows it all. Faith and pleasing God are on the opposite sides of the same coin. By faith, he walked with God. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they agree? They're agreeing on the place. They're going to heaven. You can't walk together if you're going separate destinations. Under God's leadership, Enoch was heading to the same place. They walked on the same path. There are certain things that God's called us to do along the pathway as we walk with him. And thirdly, they traveled at the same pace, probably the hardest thing to do. He was in step with God. Galatians 5.25 talks about we too must keep in step with the Spirit to be able to walk with him, not to get ahead of him. Whoa, be careful. You don't get ahead of God. Well, God's not doing the things that I think he ought to be doing, and God's not doing this with him, and God's not doing that. We've all prayed that. And we, we've all, how many of you pray this prayer? Lord, would you hurry it up and fix this mess? <laughs> Have you been there? Oh, God, would you fix this mess? I can't do anything about it. And yet God makes us stay right in that thing so we'll lean on him. And he doesn't take us out until he's ready. But we want to get ahead of God. We want to fix it. Enoch's walk produced two things, fellowship and righteousness. In this chaotic world that he lived in, and the one that we live in today, let's be a hero of the faith. One of these days, people look back at your life and goes, now that was a hero of faith. She was a hero of faith. Faith proceeds and produces the walk with God that so pleases him. Notice it does not say, if you work extra hard to please God. No. 
Paul said, God cannot and will not be pleased apart from the righteousness that comes by faith from God through Jesus Christ. In fact, without this faith, all are under the wrath of God, according to John 3.36. Listen to what that, this verse says. He who believes the Son has eternal life, and he who does not obey the Son, the wrath of God abides on him. Those are Jesus' words. Wow. Christians know, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Elementary stuff, right? All of us should know that. God is pleased when faith believes that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We come to him all by his grace. I'm so glad God didn't say, well, you're going to have to have two PhD degrees if you're going to make it here. Anybody here qualify? Okay, I don't think so. He says, become like a little child and simply believe me. Trust me and you'll make it. Here's some things we need to believe. We believe in a personal creator of the Old Testament. Psalm 139 says, he, he uh, who knit us together in our mother's womb that we are skillfully and wonderfully made. We believe in the awesome God of the New Testament, shown in greater revelation of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is the sustainer of all things, and by him all things are held together. Old Testament, New Testament in conjunction together. So my question I ask you is I've asked myself all week, are you enjoying your walk with God? Maybe you say, well, sometimes. <laughs> Most of us probably have to say that. Are you grateful to the bone? Good Southern expression. Are you thrilled at what God's done in your life? How he's led you all along the way? Where you could be today, and you made some bad choices and God directed you to the right place. Sometimes dragging us along the way because we rebelled all along the way. Or maybe today you're hiding from God or you're running from him like Jonah did. You know what God's calling you to, but just running. Maybe you're uncertain about your relationship with God. Oh, you can change that today. If you're not a Christian, you can receive him today. That's the starting place. If you're, if you're a Christian, you can make a, di a difference by impacting lives for God. Listen, you can impress people from a distance, but you impact lives up close and personal. Get involved in a group. Be accountable. Let other people in. You can be helped. Let's look at the third gentleman today, Noah. Read in verse 7. In verse 7, it says these words. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things yet not seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness who is according to faith. Well, he's described as a righteous man, blameless in his generation, walked with God and found favor in God's eyes. He talked about a remarkable man. All the people of the world were evil. Get this now. All the people, 
Not some, all. Every man on the word was wicked, according to Genesis 6, 5. 6, 5 declares the depth and the depravity and the height of his wickedness was so horrendous that every thought and intent of their heart was continually evil. All day long, 24-7, everyone, their thoughts were evil. You may think Chicago's a bad place to live. There were 797 homicides last year, 3,561 shooting incidents. That's a bad place to live. But think about a place where everybody's evil all day long, 24-7. Boy, no one was a man of faith, all right. If you're in the outline, A, real men of God believe his word. Noah, an ordinary hero. Did he stand out? Was he ridiculed? Was he slandered? Was he a butt of it, the butt of every joke? Would he have been slaughtered on Saturday Night Live? Man. He was warned by God of the impending wrath that was to come. The world's population was going to be destroyed by this monstrous flood. Genesis 6, 15 records God's explicit instructions. I want you to build an ark that's one and a half football fields long, 150 yards, almost 100 yards wide, and four stories tall. You talk about task. <laughs> Remember, there was only his three sons and their wives and his wife, so there eight people, and they were going to build this ark. Nobody was going to help him. Did it take years to build? <laughs> Well, but he's building it because they were going to be saved in the process. Now, this phrase by God concerning events as yet unseen refers back to verse 1. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, for the convictions of things not seen. He was now contemplating the salvation of himself and his family. His trust in God led him to become a mountain of faith. Faith leads us to take God's promises, causes us to step into the future, or step into the present and rest in the fact that God will help us all along the way, but he calls us to step out in faith. Is it risky? Oh, it's risky. But the rewards are phenomenal. Does it take great courage? Oh, sometimes, yes. But God calls us to it. Not only the real men of God believe his word, but secondly, real men of God take action. You imagine the abuse he must have taken for 10 years? 10 years, he just took abuse and abuse and abuse and abuse. And they got nothing but slander and ridicule and made fun of him. Oh, it's not 10, is it? 50 years, you know. Well, you, you know the story. 120 years. 120 years they made fun of him while he prepared this ark. You think he was liked in the community? <laughs> My goodness. He preached a message of call to faith in God, repentance, and righteous living. Repent, judgment's coming. Do people like to hear that message today? Pfft. Taking action means I need determination and courage. I've, I've come to find out this faith is about 90% courage. God's already said it's true. I need to step out in it, and I need to have some great determination and courage to do it. I like what Hal Sherbeck said. He was a winningest coach at Mazzola High School, a legendary coach at the University of Montana. Here's what his motto was. Press on. Nothing in this world takes place without perseverance. 
Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb today. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are important. Don't quit in the middle of battle. Some of you might be right in the throes of all kinds of pain. Loved ones hurt. Maybe going through some financial difficulty or marriage is on the rocks. Children are going astray. Listen, you're in the middle of battle. Don't quit. God's in the middle of it with you. Noah probably thought about quitting a million times. I don't know, abuse every single day. Nobody liked him. Can you, can you fathom this? You preach 120 years and you don't have one convert. Not one. You talk about lonely. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, run in such a way that you win the prize. Hey, one of these days is going to be over. And for a quadrillion years, you're going to live in eternity. You'll be glad you did the right thing. Amen. Well, three things needed to win. First, you must have a starting place. You have to start by following Christ. You got to know him. Listen, the only one who is worthy to condemn you is the one who instead pardoned you and gave his son to take your place on the cross. That's how much he loves you. Secondly, you must give all of your heart, not half-hearted allegiance. That just won't cut it. Divers in the Olympics don't save all their efforts for their final dive. They concentrate on nailing every single one of them, increasing their chances for the gold medal. They cannot afford to settle for mediocrity in their dives. Do you know what? We can't afford to settle for mediocrity in our stage of life. Whether you're a young person, whether you're in the middle age, or whether you're a senior citizen. It's a thing that all retirement people fight. The temptation is to put my feet up and relax and have fun and play my favorite games, you know, and see my grandkids and have a great time. That's the temptation. But that's not what God calls us to. Thirdly, you must never quit. 1992 in the Olympics, Derek Redmond, uh, Britain, was competing in the 400-meter race, and he, he, he suffered a terrible uh, hamstring, uh, a torn hamstring, and he fell to the, to the ground. Other runners just breezed on by, and he struggled to get to his feet. When his dad saw this happen, he burst into tears. He jumped out of the stands and ran down and grabbed his son. And agonizingly, they made their way the rest of the way around the track and finished, came to the finish line as the stadium of Seoul Korea burst into a, a standing ovation of applause. He didn't win a medal. But he won something more important. He won the respect of the world. He didn't quit. You want the respect of heaven? Do you know Christ? When you get to heaven, is your name going to be written in the Lamb's book of God? Remember, true faith acts. Noah believed in the coming judgment. He was obedient to God's call. He saved himself and his family and also condemned the world for their unbelief. Christians know of a coming judgment. We know God's word. And if we truly believe it, we're working to see that people come to know him. Let me tell you what a successful witness is. Sharing the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and leading the results to God. 
Sharing the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Ask God to bring people into your pathway that you can share the gospel with. And then be sensitive to know, <laughs> to know when it's going to happen. How many times have you walked away and then you're walking towards your car and you go, wow, that would have been a great opportunity to say. And you missed it. I've been there a number of times. And I missed it. Help me to be sensitive to people all around me. Don't get in a hurry in the middle of the journey. I remember when my friend Tim Maddox, who's the pastor of Northside uh, Baptist Church, he was, uh, went over and he was, uh, uh, went to Israel and they were there with some Arab and some Jewish Christians. And they asked him if they would pray for him. And so he said, sure. And he began his prayer and he thanked the Lord for being there. And then he said, and Lord, protect him and keep them safe. And they interrupted him. Here's what they said. Don't pray that we will be safe and protected. Pray that we will love our enemies and speak boldly for Christ. Even today when I think about that, tears. We get so concerned about our reputation, how we're going to sound, how we're going to look to people, what will people think of me, we're not concerned about a lost world. We're concerned about ourselves and how we look. And we'll let them go by the wayside so that we can, in our mind, look good. They weren't tied up in themselves. Are you willing to be ridiculed or misunderstood or scorned or demeaned by the world? Will you be willing to tell others about Jesus, of his love and coming judgment? Man, he was a hero. 120 years he stayed at the task and refused to quit. In layman's words, faith involves a conviction of belief which produces obedience, which in turn produces a witness. Noah's faith was a witness. Our job is to be a witness and to be able to share with those around us. That's why we're here. Become more like him to share with others. Listen, age has nothing to do with it. Goldie Meir was 71 when she became the prime minister of Israel. William Pitt II was 24 years old when he became the prime minister of Great Britain. George Bernard Shaw was 94 when one of his plays was first produced. Mozart was seven when his first composition was published. Ben Franklin was a newspaper columnist at 16 in a framework of the U.S. Constitution when he was 80, 81. You're never too young and you're never too old if you got Christ on your team. Never. Think about Noah. He got 120 years. He had a big task, granted. God's probably not going to give us that big a task. But he has things for us to do. Heroes are ordinary men who step out in faith, believe in God that will equip them and empower them to do what he calls them to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't call us to do it. It's never too late to honor God. I'm going to ask you a few questions and we're going to close. Is it time to surrender to Christ who loves you and died for you? Is it time to say yes to something the Spirit has been tugging at your heart to do? Some mission or some minister or some calling he set aside with your name engraved on it. 
How long will he continue to tug? How long will you resist before his voice grows cold and distant and you're no longer concerned about what he says? Is, is it time to get your house in order? To mend some fences with your husband, wife, maybe children? Time to guide your family back into the arms of a loving Christ and rebuild the home the way it should be? Is it time to be, begin pleasing God with the work of your hands? To honor him to be better in the workplace and to become a witness to the world? Is it time? It's time, and it's later than you think. God brought you here today so that you could hear a message about some heroes of the faith. If you're lost without Christ, receive him today. If you're a Christian, commit your life or recommit your life to Christ. Ask for someone to pray with you. If you're in a small group, get people who pray with you. Launch out in faith. We're going to stand in just a moment and we're going to be singing an invitation hymn. I encourage you, if there's something on your heart that God's been speaking with you about, oh, my friend, do it. It's later than you think. Do it. While God speaks to your heart, do it. We know that he doesn't always speak. Sometimes he says, okay, that's it. And he withdraws. Is he speaking to you today? Listen to him.